0: Explanation of God's word and its application to our lives the scripture says and Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction when he saw the crowds he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Let's pray. Father, as we spend some time this summer thinking about what it means to be your church, we've talked about the importance of being a praying people who depend on your spirit for guidance and leadership and empowerment. And we've talked about the importance of being ready and willing and able to share our story And we've spent some time talking about how important it is as a church that we are encouraging and friendly and loving because these are all things that people seek. Even if they're not seeking the truth, they're seeking affection and they're seeking hope. And when we have an audience, when we have people who are listening and paying attention because of what they are experiencing, they are primed and ready to hear the word. And the word brings faith. As the Bible says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And so this morning, Lord, as we talk about your Compassion, and we think about being bridge builders into the world, Father, I pray that, that we would focus on two things this morning. One, that if there's anyone in the room this morning that you want to know the gospel, that you want to hear the good news about Jesus, Father, I pray that you would bring illumination, the heart this morning i pray that you would open their eyes that that as the word is explained that they would see the truth and see the goodness of jesus and put their faith and trust in him and second i pray that we would all see ourselves as jesus plan for the world and that we would not forget that plan in favor of something else, some lesser story, some construction that we put together that doesn't fulfill your mission or your plan. Lord, we pray for your grace and your help as we listen and as I explain. Father, we ask that you would forgive our sins because they are many and we thank you for the grace of Jesus that assures us that we will be forgiven of all of our unrighteousness and all of our ungodliness because of his sacrifice when we come to you in faith. We thank you for your grace and your encouragement. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I got this cool hat, right? Um, I, when A lot of times you go to a conference and you'll leave the room on a break and people will like uh, distribute Whatever they're going to give you in the next session, you know, and they put one on every seat. And so uh, I was in Alpharetta, Georgia, which I think is just a little bit north of Atlanta. It just sounds a little bit fancier than Atlanta. And uh, so, so I was down there, I went to this training, and I came back in the room and they put these hats on, on all of, no, I haven't adjusted this from my head. Um, they, they put these these cool hats, right? And I saw them and I was like, I just gotta, I gotta get one. I don't even know what it is, but I want it, right? Because it's obviously, this one's mine. And all these guys are like, they're putting them on and they're walking around and they're all proud, you know? And then, right, in in, in the next session, this bluegrass band comes up on the stage, right? And they they, uh, they had played earlier, but they debuted this song that they wrote about the international harvester right and and so there's this video and they're singing like you know international harvester and it was they sang better but it was like you know <laughs> You were faithful and agriculture, right? And guys are standing like it's a praise and worship session, right? And they're singing along, and, and I'm like, I thought this this debuted. Like, I don't know anything about agriculture or tractors, and guys are wearing these hats, and it's it's they're they're talking about this machine and how it changed the world and how we all ought to be international harvesters, and I'm like, oh, okay, there's a the connection, right? You know, missionaries, evangelism, harvesting, and I'm like. My church that I pastors called Harvest. You know, like, I have the hat. It's, I brought it home. and um, So I just thought, like, I'm at this Southern Baptist thing. Everybody knows about tractors. Like, I don't know. I got my hat. I put it on my shelf in my office, right? Now, here's what I didn't know. All right, maybe you don't know. Or maybe you do know. And I'm just, like, late to the party. This guy from Virginia, Cyrus McCormick, right? Isn't that a cool name? Not McCormick Spices. That's Willoughby McCormick. I got another origin story for you there, but not for today, right? We'll come back. We'll we'll find a spicy sermon and we'll talk about McCormick Spices. Um, He invented this thing called a horse-drawn reaper, Right. Which is goes out into the field and and brings in the harvest. Right. And he invents this thing in 1831, gets a patent for it in 1834. And he and his brother Leander. Right. They have cool names. Right. I'd rather be Cyrus than Leander. Veggie Leander got made fun of by people. Um, uh, McCormick, right, they moved to Chicago and they start this McCormick Harvesting Machine Company and they start producing this uh, horse-drawn reaper. In 1982, sorry, 1902, right, three firms get bought out by the McCormick Company and they put together this company called the International Harvester Company. 1926, right? Uh, they invent the Farmall Tractor. This is the International Harvester brand, like the red tractor that all these guys know. When you talk about International Harvester, like this is the iconic brand, right? Like the IBM uh, Selectric typewriter that dominated the market for years, or the PC Junior, or the iPod, right? You, know, you, you have a conception in your head of what this thing is when, when I mention the name, the harvester is their like chief brand. It's their their key product. They start producing it in 1926. In four years, they make 100,000 of them and export them throughout the world. They lead the world in tractor sales, right? They are the on top company. Uh, In the 60s and 70s, the company is unstoppable. It is adding, just buying up smaller companies. You make fertilizer, we're buying you. You make hats for farmers, like we're buying you. And they're just absorbing all these companies. It's, this, it's like the Apple or the Google of today, except tractors, right? So they grow and grow and grow. And management just keeps saying, like, we, we, this is what we make. This is what we do. We buy companies, we make tractors. We just keep rolling them off the production line. In 1974, they make the five five millionth tractor but they're losing money like crazy. Their business is, is tanking. In 1981, all the labor goes on strike. And in 1984, the International Harvester Company agrees to sell all of their assets to a company called Tenneco. And no new Farmall tractors have been made since. Uh, in order to make these hats, right, this is what the, what the guy said, they had to find the, uh, the department within the subsidiary of Teneco, right, and, and get a licensing agreement in order to, to use this logo and then put the logo of the North American Mission Board on it so that they could give, like, 2,000 of these hats away, right? Uh, the story of, of International Harvester, in, in my opinion, walking away from that meeting, is that this is a beloved, iconic brand that means something to people who know something about agriculture, right? It meant nothing to me. It was just like, I'm in a room full of guys wearing this hat. Like, what did I miss? What is, what, what's, what's the story here? But, but it's a company that had a product. They had something that was working. They had something that was of value, and they were out there leading the market and got distracted. And they just started expanding and doing all these everything things. And they lost control. And they lost perspective. And they went out of business. When we look at the church in North America, and this is not a look outside and criticize other churches. This is a a take a hard look at ourselves as well. When we look at the church, many people come to the church with a consumer mindset and say, What can the church do for me? What is it that I'm going to get out of the church? What will, I, what will I get from this church? What can this church do for me? What is the church not doing? Where is the church failing? What, does, what ministry does the church not have? What do we need to add, right? And we, we focus on this entire package or line of businesses. And many times what we do is we forget what's at the core. We forget the product right the thing that the church is supposed to be all about when you when you think about what the church is about we we think about Jesus we think about him at the center and we think about the fact that he came to take our sins upon himself He came to give himself as an offering for many. He came to demonstrate the love and the truth of the mercy of God and the saving grace that he came to establish. Jesus came as Lord and Savior to open the gates of heaven that people might be at peace with God. And he appointed a people to proclaim that message, to share that message, to proclaim it and to make sure that everywhere, everyone can hear this truth, can hear these words, can hear this knowledge, know this, and say, I want that or I don't want it. And to do it in the way Jesus did it. How did Jesus share? We're going to look at this, but I'd say three broad categories. Jesus showed mercy. He showed mercy. Throughout the New Testament, where we look at stories of Jesus interacting with people, unless they were boxed in and religious and condemning and judgy and nasty, right? He showed mercy. I would actually say the times when Jesus gets, like, snippy with people and, like, corrects them or lays them out, you know, knocks them over in front of everybody, I would say that even there, thank you so much. I need it, everybody knows it, probably. <laughs> even, even there in those moments, his actions are fundamentally loving. He's taking them down a peg so that they can hear, right? He's, he's opening up their, their ears or, or doing some surgery on their hearts so that they can hear the church or hear the truth. The church is called to show mercy to treat those who are in distress compassionately whether they're inside of the church or outside. We're also supposed to be about building relationships, strengthening connections with people both inside and outside the church. And To be characterized by loving actions. To do those things that we believe build up, give grace, and strengthen faith. Both inside and outside the church. Let's take a look at Jesus' example in Matthew chapter 9. As Jesus moved among the people, he was affected by what he saw. Jesus was affected by by what he saw among the people. It affected his eyes and his heart. Verse 35 and 36 say that he went through all the cities and villages. He was teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And he was healing every disease and every affliction. He was out there ministering to the people's needs. He was preaching and teaching and meeting their needs with acts of mercy and compassion. And it says that he saw the crowds he saw the crowds now when jesus looks at people he looks not just with with the eye, with eyes that see the physical but he looks at the spiritual as well and he like the father doesn't just look on on the outside but he sees what's going on on the inside he sees um, the, the feelings, the desires, the passions of people. He's able to, to understand what it is that determines their, their conduct. He looks in at their hearts. And what Jesus sees when he looks at the hearts of human beings is he sees tremendous need. Each and every one of us are born with tremendous need. We need the Lord. We are born separated from him. And that means that that, uh, the Bible describes this as being in a fallen condition where we are separated from him. We desire things that are contrary to his will. We hear in his word, this is the way, this is good, walk this way. And we say, no, I'm gonna go this way. I'm gonna do my own thing. And like a good shepherd... Jesus looks at people in need and he says, they're going the wrong way. They need to be led, they need to be encouraged, they need to be redirected. He looks with compassion. When the Bible speaks of the heart, when, when it speaks of, 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 of the heart, it's, it's talking about um, the, the, the very center of us, and this is good, because uh, God as he designs the plan of salvation, he makes it so simple that if, if we will simply identify our need when we hear his word, if we will, if we will hear the, the, the message that he's saying and we will believe it, that is what brings about the change right? We don't have to to do monumental religious acts. We don't need to go on a pilgrimage. We don't need to serve 10,000 people. We don't need to put in 150 volunteer hours. We just simply need to say what God is saying to us is true and believe it. Romans 10 verse 9 says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, if we believe that, that the Savior went to the cross to die for our sins, and that God raised him, that he is the answer, it says, that we will be saved. Because we believe with our heart and we're justified. And we confet, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. The crowds that were coming to Jesus, I think they're symbolic of our need. Not that they weren't real people, not that they didn't exist, but these crowds that are coming to him, they really have nothing of value to God they have, they have nothing that they can say I deserve your attention here's my money right please please heal me and Jesus is like oh I need that thank you I need money I'll heal you in exchange no they don't, they don't have anything that he needs and neither do we we don't have anything that God needs we come to him and we say would you please answer my deepest struggle, would you please fix my my lack? Would you please cancel out my sins? Would you give me what I need to be whole? And he says, yes, I will. Put your faith and trust in my son. Those who believe this truth, those who believe in the good news about Jesus are told to keep our eyes open and to look. To, to, to always be aware and to be, to be looking, right? This is the like key driving lesson, right? As you, as you go through basic, what do they call it? I want to call it basic training, driver's ed. Yes, that's what it's called. Basic training for automobile operations. Yeah, there's an acronym in there somewhere. Um, you know, you, you're, you're told to always stay alert because anything can happen on the road, right? And man, if it's raining or really bad weather conditions like snow, especially here in a place where you don't get snow, you get, you get an inch of snow in the ground and people just act like there are no laws. They're like driving all over, pulling U-turns. And you're like, what is happening here? It's like a cartoon. You just keep your eyes open. Stay aware. Because anything can happen while you're driving. Well, maybe not anything. But lots of things can happen. Jesus says this. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Here's what was happening at the time. Jesus was tired and his disciples went off to go get some food to bring back some food and a woman came to the well she came late in the afternoon not in the cool of the morning like when all the other women came because she didn't get along with the other women probably because she had a bad reputation and so she comes and jesus is giving a drink and she's like you're a jew i'm a samaritan why are you talking to me and he tells her that he is the messiah and she is excited about this news and the disciples come back and they say whoa what are you doing Talking to a woman in a Samaritan, like this doesn't happen. She runs off to go and tell everybody in the village that Messiah has come. She's like telling them, you know, he's here and he knows everything about me, you know, he told me about my reputation and all my husbands and they're like, "Wow, how did he know that?" Like think about this. She's she's very humble and open with them and they're all interested in hearing about Messiah and so they they all come to come and meet him and he's like talking to them and they're they're saying, "Why are you talking to this person with this bad reputation?" You know, they're not like us. We're better than them. They're they're inferior to us and he says, "Look, Here they come, ready to hear the truth. There may be people around us who are eager to hear the truth or ready to hear it, but if we're not looking at them spiritually, if we're just looking at them physically, or we're looking at them through our work relationship with them, right? You know, they're the annoying person at work, right? They're just like, they're the person, man, if they would just quit, everything would be better. That's not true. The person that they hire next is, you know, that's the way life works, right? When we look at people spiritually, we see that there is great need and opportunity to share the gospel. And Jesus is pointing out here, the harvest is there. There are people who are ready to hear the answer to their spiritual need, but you're not looking for it. And so Jesus calls his disciples to look at people spiritually as people who are in need of the truth. He saw their physical need, and he saw their spiritual blindness. You know, the world, and many times, even Christians fall into the trap of splitting people up into distinct groups, right? There are good people and bad people. There are, like, Christians, and then there are the not Christians. Like, and, and many times, depending on what news channel you listen to or what pastor you listen to, it's like those people who aren't Christians, they're the enemy. Not true not true they're not the enemy the scripture describes them in 2nd corinthians 4 4 as spiritually blinded as captive 2nd corinthians 4 4 says the god of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of christ who is the image of god well what can i do about that what can i do about that everything the scripture says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And if we just simply start speaking scripture, you need to be careful. You need to, 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 to shape your words and be sensitive. Don't just go hammering away at people with the Bible. You know, that makes people mad. If you, if you share, if you offer them the word, if you say, you know, uh, Jesus did something in the scriptures. Let me, just, let me share this story with you. And you share, the word gets in. And now the spirit's at work. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. We can do everything about people's spiritual blindness. Spiritually speaking, you are slipping into the prison. You are going over to the cell. And you are going to start trying every single key you've got, right? And hopefully something's going to unlock that cell. And let them out. They're not the enemy. They're in captivity. In John 3, 3, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That is both a, a statement about the fact that they will not be in the kingdom of God, they will not see its realization, but also that they cannot even perceive that such a thing exists until they have spiritual Life And so what we ought to do when we look at people spiritually is speak the word and we ought to pray for them. And I believe that it is good to pray that, that people receive spiritual truth. Ephesians one eighteen, Paul says, I never cease to mention you in my prayers, that you would have the eyes of your hearts enlightened, right? He's praying that they would believe this truth, not just that, that they would spiritually, like, get over not realizing something, you know, like clear out the junk and make room for this truth, you unintelligent Ephesians. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, I pray that the Spirit would give you the ability and the capacity to see these things, that you may know what is the hope to which he's called you and what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. I've had the opportunity to talk to a number of pastors over the last couple of months and to visit in some churches and to, to talk. And uh, You know what? You know what? This, is, this is the state of the church uh, and it's in our area. Man, there are some cool churches out there. They got like cool pews you know they got these neat benches and things right and they I, I i'll tell you i grew up in a very traditional church with very traditional seating you know we had pads on our pews like they were they were ultra comfy comfy and they had bibles and hymnals and they had this this thing in the middle it was wood and had the, the offering card and the response card and a place for pencils right a little golf pencil and a place for your communion cup like it was cool that's that's neat um and, and I'm, not, I'm telling you, I'm not, I'm not being flip here. I'm being serious. Like, you go into the church, and there's these cool windows. I was down at a place in Chrisfield, and the entire roof is that tin ceiling. You know, it's really ornate and, and beautiful looking. Like, nobody would do this today. We use, like, ceiling panels because they're, they're much less expensive than the metal stuff, you know. These amazing buildings. And there's five people. Fifteen people. 20 people in a big room and it's largely empty. Why does this happen? I think it happens because people stop seeing. Yeah. It happens because people stop seeing. And what they, they do is they see inside the organization, the church, and they say, boy, if things were different, if we had this, if we had that, if this were different, if that were different, then people would, or our church would, we'd be bigger, we'd make budget, we'd this, we'd that. It's missing the point it's missing the point the organization doesn't exist to have a room full of people the organization doesn't exist to make budget the organization now we ought to try to make budget because it's we we said back in you know in the fall of last year that this is what we were gonna do together right you know this was our program and we said okay it's gonna take this much money and so yeah we ought to try but if you don't make budgets not the end of the world if we stop seeing people spiritually and stop speaking and stop sharing, that's the end of the mission. We've given up the mission. These churches are empty many times because the people inside stopped seeing the point and they lost the plot. And when I say to These pastors and some of these people, I'll talk to them and I'll say, hey, you know what? You need to realize the majority of people growing up in this culture right now don't have a church background. They don't know why they would even go to a church. They don't know what churches do. And people people are like, what are you talking about? Of course they know about the church. No, they don't. They don't know anything. They're not going to show up because they don't even know what that building is for. And so, you get to tell them. You get to tell them. I'll tell you what, I have had conversations with folks where I'm talking with them, you know, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of warming up to sharing, you know, do you ever think about spiritual things? Do you think about, you know, what's going on spiritually? Yeah, I know, you know, I believe there's a God, you know, and you get this sense of they're not entirely sure what, what their relationship with God is like, and you get somebody to the point where they're willing to maybe admit that they're not perfect right and that that they're really not sure if God were to judge them and you could say hey guess what I have the greatest news that you have ever heard that God is willing to give you everything that you need in order to measure up to his standard Mm. this is a brand new idea to a lot of people to a lot of people for many people, their perception of what Christians are comes from their understanding of what Christians' political views are. And let me tell you what, we don't do very well depending on what media outlet they're, they're reading, right? And so they find out, oh, this person's a Christian, and they think, oh, that's a judgy person who hates me, right? Who thinks that I'm not good enough. Most Christians I know don't hate people. Maybe we're a little judgy. You know what? Everybody's a little judgy. We have a message. That's the point. We see people spiritually, we share the message. It's telling because when you say to a pastor or to a leader, what you need to do is go out and share and share with people who don't know anything and draw them into your church instead of waiting for some church to hit trouble and crack up and then people show up in your church. Praise the Lord! That church across town is having trouble and people are coming to our church. We're growing. No, like that is not good. We ought not celebrate that. What we ought to celebrate is what the angels and the fathers celebrate. And that's when someone who has never heard the word, someone who has never believed the word says, whoa, I believe that's true. Like heaven freaks out over one who believes and we ought to be the same way when Jesus looked out and saw i'm in just point number 2 already point number 2 like started like 5 minutes ago and i never i just never announced it right it, he it says in verse 36 that he saw the crowds and then verse 36 the second part says that he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd he saw their distress And felt moved to do something about it. That's compassion. Isn't that interesting? Think about what I just said. Webster's Dictionary defines compassion like this. Sympathetic consciousness of another person's distress. Together with a desire to alleviate it. Many of us have watched on television. And seen commercials of people in enormous suffering. Right? Or we've we've seen... Uh, commercials with starving children. We've seen all kinds of things on TV, and we think, "Man, that's bad." And then a commercial comes on, and it's like new, larger fries, and we're like, "Ooh, I'm hungry." I mean, let's just be honest, right? You've done, you've you've allowed yourself to be moved, and then when the moment passes, the, the movement's gone. That's not compassion. That's emotion. That's, that's feeling something. Compassion is when you see that someone is in need and you say, I'm going to help. And you're moved to help. Seeing the spiritual condition and having it impact the heart. Paul Going back to Ephesians again, uh, Ephesians chapter one, Paul saw the condition of the Ephesians and he loved this church and he was excited about what God was doing, but he knew that they needed more. He knew that they needed to grow. And this is what he says, I do not cease to give thanks for you. I remember you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. What he's praying for the Ephesians is, Lord, expand their vision of you. Expand their understanding. Help them know you more and understand you more. That they would have the eyes of their hearts enlightened. That they would look into the word and say, aha, and know the goodness of God. That they would understand to greater depths the hope to which they have been called and and all the riches that they have in Christ. And this is what we ought to be praying for people. Prepping and getting ready. Knowing the desire of our God. This is God's desire towards people who don't know him. Jesus says, Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. It's God's desire that people who are struggling and anxious and overwhelmed and nervous about the future and, you know, unaware of of the fact that there's an answer for them. They are struggling and stressed out and dominated by problems and they look out at the world of politics and they think that's a mess and they look at finance and that's a mess and they look at the economy and they say that's a mess. Where's the hope? And Jesus says, you're burdened with a lot of stuff. You come to me, I'll give you rest. They need to know that he's there. It's his desire to give people rest. But they need to know. And so we need to share. Isaiah 55, 5. Come, everyone who re- thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Something amazing about this electronic world that we live in is you can pursue so many forms of happiness. So many forms now. You want to, like, go live a global adventure? Like, you can, you can go anywhere in the world now and, or watch videos of people going everywhere in the world and try to, like, have vicarious happiness through them, right? You know, you can, you, can, you can try to experience happiness in many ways, but they all lack the deep satisfaction that comes from knowing that we are at peace with God and that we are his children, this is what God says in Isaiah 55, this is picking up back in verse 2, listen diligently to me and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food, incline your ear, this is God's heart, folks, incline your ear, come to me, hear that your soul may, may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David, why is that important? Well, why, why is that important? What he's saying is, you come to me, hear what I'm saying, hear what I have to offer to you, and I will make a promise with you, the same promise that I made to David, right? And we may think, David, you know, giant, stone, you know, kills a giant. That's not, well, yeah. David and Bathsheba David, Right? David, who, who, when he found out that Bathsheba was pregnant, thought, "I know how to cover this. I'll take her husband and I'll put him on the front lines in battle. I will arrange his murder." <coughs> Isaiah 55 is written that he put hundreds of years after David's death. God's love covers his sin and his failings. What people need to understand is that Christianity is not about being perfect. It's about receiving perfection from Christ. It's about receiving his righteousness and being humble and worshiping God and being grateful for what he's given to us. The reason that many churches are empty, and this isn't the only reason, but it's a huge reason, is they stopped caring about seeing and sharing at some point. they stopped caring about seeing and sharing. We see people in need, we share the truth with them, and we invite them to receive it. So Jesus doesn't stop with seeing, and proclaiming he's moved to action it says in verse 37 then he said to his disciples the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few therefore pray earnestly to the lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest he saw with his eyes and his heart and it led to action i like to think this is this is and and this is just sanctified imagination here okay i love i love to think of of emotionally moved you know the crowds are, are there and he's healing him and he turns around he looks at the 12 guys and they're all like yeah boss what's up you know and he says earnestly pray to the lord of the harvest look at the harvest and earnestly pray that god would send out workers and one of them Peter maybe John James you know it's like okay guys let's pray right and then they they all kind of huddle and they, they, they pray and Jesus is still doing his thing and then they're like amen right and chapter 10, verse 1 starts this way. And he called to him his 12 disciples, and he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The name of the 12 disciples are these Simon, Andrew, James, John, Philip, and Bartholomew, Thomas, 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 and Matthew. Here's why James and Thaddeus, right? Thaddeus and Thomas are right next to one another on my page here. Simon the Zealot and Judas Iscariot. Like, think about that. He's like, pray that the Lord would send out workers. And they're like, okay, we're going to pray. And he's like, you guys are the guys. Go. Right? Isn't that great? Love it. He saw with his eyes and his heart, and he designed a solution. It led to action. See and feel people's spiritual need and push through to action folks. Ask the Lord of the harvest to work. Ask him to give you an opening. Ask him to provide an opportunity to share. Pray and then work in the field. Here's an action plan. This is, this, is, this is my heart for the church as we're working through uh, some of these passages and just considering where it is that we're going in the, the future. Some folks may look at their church and say, our church is smaller or we're missing budget or we're this or we're that. You know, are we, are we doing the right thing? You know, are we off track? Are we growing? Between eight to 10,000 churches in the United States will close this year. 8 to 10,000 we are in an epidemic crisis of uh of of churches in extreme need in our culture i would say that the the primary reason is that we have lost a focus on the need of the world and the church has reoriented itself to focus on the needs of the christians in the church or their perceived need The needs of the church the needs of of the Christians in the church is that they be faithful to what it is that God plans to do through them we are saved for a purpose if you're here this morning and you are not in Christ the most important thing that could happen is that you would say I want to know the Savior who will take away my sins and give me righteousness. It's free. It's free. He offers it to any who would ask. And, and for the church, for those who put their faith and trust in, in Christ, the mission, then, is what is most important, that we are out there in the world where God has placed us, and we see need, and we speak to that need. Three things that we should pray for. Here's my encouragement to you. Ask the Lord to give you an opportunity to show mercy to someone. You see someone in need somewhere, and you are moved with compassion and have the opportunity to follow through on it, to show mercy. Because that's the way that Jesus lived. Second, look for opportunities to build relationships you know, I had a, uh, an opportunity this, this week, I'm standing around, I'm talking to some, some, some folks, you know, safe, and this guy walks into the room who I haven't talked to, and, and I'm, I'm not like, hey, what's your name, you know? I'm always like up against the wall, kind of like, is anybody behind me, you know? Like, I'm just gonna, gonna stand here and play cool, you know? And then there comes this ultra risky moment, right? The date, and I'm like, hey, I haven't introduced myself. I'm Keith. Like, maybe you're not scared that way, but maybe you are, right? You, you gotta take a first step to build a bridge to people, right? Why do, we, why do we do this thing where we see people that we've seen a lot and we don't say, hey, who are you, this is my name. Like, we wanna play it cool all the time, so we don't wanna be rejected, right? How, how are you ever gonna get to the point of sharing if you don't just, if you don't say, I'm going to introduce myself. I'm going to share. And I got plans to share, folks. But I'm just not like jump on people. You know, that's just not my my way. You got to start somewhere. You got to you got to begin to build those relationships. You know what happens? I find the more that that you image to people, the more that you express that that you are somebody who can be trusted or that you are somebody who thinks about deep things or you are somebody who who has a sense of your own struggles and are not going to judge them for theirs you share a little bit sooner or later they open up and they'll share and you can say hey there's an answer focus on relationship building and serve others with loving actions All three of these can be practiced with people inside and outside the church. But the priority, we ought to love those inside the church. I actually think we do a much better job of this in North America than we do outside the church. We're not perfect. but We're doing better sharing and and being compassionate and merciful inside than we are outside. Jesus called his disciples to them, and then he sent them out. To be workers in the harvest I believe that is God's desire for our church and for every church that we would see feel compassion be moved pray and then act let's close in prayer father I thank you that we can open this word I thank you that you have given us a mission Lord that we can fulfill we need your enablement we need your power we need strength we need grace but, Lord, when it comes down to it, what you're calling us to do is to be kind and to speak your word and to trust the results to you. And so, Father, I pray that being given this task, that we would be faithful about it. I pray if there's anyone here this morning, Lord, who's, who's heard the gospel for the first time, they've, they've heard this news that they don't need to be perfect. They just need to come to Christ in faith and receive what he's offering, for the forgiveness of their sins, I pray that they would put their faith and trust in you, Lord. It's that simple. And then I pray that they would tell someone about it. Lord, but I pray for all of us who are concerned about the health and the strength of the church, and who are concerned about living lives that honor you, and who are are concerned that that on the last day will be found to be faithful, or that they just, they want to honor you in some way. I pray that we would see your heart of compassion for people who don't know the truth, and that we would be moved and share. Lord, we pray that you would make it so in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing a closing song together. (laughs) Bye. <laughs>